Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, June 4th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Today is the first Friday of the month, which means the latest U.S. jobs report is coming out. We'll look at why this one's particularly important. Plus, stimulus measures and economic recoveries are leading to rising prices. So we're going to have a deep chat with our economics editor, Chris Giles, about whether we're entering a new era of inflation. We're not necessarily going back to the 60s, 70s and 80s. But for the first time in about 30 years, it's something that seriously we have to think about. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The U.S. government releases its latest monthly jobs report today. And this is an important one because the last two reports told very different stories. Economists and analysts expect today's unemployment report for May to provide more clarity on the true shape of the recovery. The FT's Washington bureau chief, James Politi, has more. I think that if we see a kind of strong increase in employment creation, you know, from the 266,000 level in April to something approaching the consensus, which is about 615,000 new jobs created in May, I think it'll ease some of the concerns about labor shortages. I think it will validate the idea that the April slowdown in job creation was to a certain extent due to these labor shortages, but that these could be gradually resolved as people decide to sort of go back to work, as companies decide to pay more in order to attract people back to work, and that sort of a new equilibrium is being reached that can bring back, you know, these 8 million jobs that are still sort of missing from pre-pandemic levels. That's the FT's Washington bureau chief, James Politi. As economies recover, we're seeing a steady rise in prices. In many cases, it's surging prices for key commodities like wood, copper, and food. Prices are going up not just because economies are moving again, but also because of the unprecedented stimulus that governments put into place to save their economies. Now the concern is inflation. Our economics editor, Chris Giles, has been examining this for a five-part series on inflation. He joins me now. Hey, Chris. Hi, Mark. So right now, Chris, the debate among central bankers and and economists is is really about how to approach inflation, right? And and that really means a debate on interest rates. Yeah. Um, What's the thinking here? Well, partly it depends where you're starting from. So I think all central banks would like to have essentially stable and low inflation. So no one wants zero inflation. People want to have about 2% inflation because it greases the wheels of an economy. It allows some sectors to expand, other sectors to to contract without having prices having to fall. So if you want an inflation rate of about 2%, then in the US, it's currently much higher than that. Now, some of that is definitively temporary. We're seeing that because prices getting back to normal from being artificially low during the pandemic. And so the annual rate goes up, but actually it will be up just for a temporary period. What's more concerning is that 
A, prices have risen faster and further than expected, and B, there's some signs, particularly in the labour market, that it might be a little bit more long-lasting, a little bit more persistent, especially if prices then fuel wage increases and then you get into an inflationary process, which is what happened in the 1960s and 1970s and 1980s. But it's probably for the first time in 30 years really thinking about, well, maybe we might get into a persistent problem because demand and that spending is running so far ahead of supply, particularly in the US with the stimulus program. And going back to what you said about the 60s, 70s and 80s, we saw the head of the Federal Reserve in that case, go ahead and and just raise interest rates to a a really high rate, you know, uh, especially in comparison to today's standards. Uh, That was Paul Volcker. Yeah. Um, Was there, based on that, a playbook for dealing with inflation? And and what's happened to that playbook now? So the playbook for dealing with inflation, if you have a persistent problem, the playbook is pretty standard. We think in economics, we know what it is. And that is you raise interest rates, so you make it more costly to borrow, you make it more attractive to save, people therefore spend less, save more. Quite often, that pushes the economy into a recession, because it's sort of tough medicine to get the pressure on prices back under control. And that certainly was under Paul Volcker. And that was the he he was the tough guy who squeezed inflation out of the system. So so that is what you know, that's the playbook. Now, no one, literally no one's talking about any sort of hyperinflation of the Weimar Germany or Latin America in the nineteen eighties, but maybe slightly uncomfortably high inflation rates of about the three or four percent. And if you if you then think about what sort of some of the mega trends in the world are of aging population, so fewer workers, more people consuming as people retire, then that might create some other inflationary dynamics. You start having to think, well, we do have to squeeze this out of the system. And we haven't really faced that sort of problem in, in 30 years. So Chris, the Federal Reserve in the US has said it's it's going to hold off raising rates until 2023 at the earliest. And behind this is the fear of making the same mistake or a similar mistake that the Fed did after the 2008 global financial crisis when it didn't run the economy hot enough and and inflation was too low, right? Now, that is the current plan, but there is the danger that you let inflation run too high for too long because you always say, well, at some point in the future, I'm going to try and rein things in, but it's still not yet clear that we've got inflation expectations back at 2%. And that is, I think, the, the not really a fear, but that's the concern about exactly how you calibrate the process because these things are really hard to fine tune. I think we, that's one thing we have learned over many years in many countries uh, that it's very hard to fine tune exactly the economy so it behaves exactly as you would like. So, Chris, after you know helping to report a five part series on inflation, the remaining two pieces will come out next week. Um, what are your main takeaways? Was there something that struck you especially about this that you want to share? I think my main takeaway is that we're suddenly in a new era. It's absolutely not guaranteed that we're in an inflationary era again. We're not necessarily going back to the 60s, 70s and 80s. But for the first time in about 30 years, it's something that seriously we have to think about. Uh, And it is all to do with policy changes since the pandemic and the way that has shocked economies into doing economic policy rather differently from before. And inflation might just be that safety valve where we see excesses emerge. And to have something change after 30 years of stability really is 
quite a moment. So even though, you know, you'd be anyone would be wrong to say we're moving into an inflationary area and that's certain now, just having that risk around really changes the way we need to think about the economy. And that's just an important moment. Chris Giles is the FT's economics editor. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Mark. In other news, the U.S. yesterday banned Americans from investing in dozens of Chinese defense and surveillance technology companies. President Joe Biden signed an executive order banning investments in 59 companies, including Chinese telecoms giant Huawei, as well as China's largest chip maker. A senior U.S. official said the goal is to ensure that Americans aren't financing China's military-industrial complex. U.S. officials said the ban would take effect August 2nd, but investors can make trades over the next 12 months to divest their holdings. The order also bans Americans from investing in funds that contain Chinese securities in their portfolios. And before we go, a blast from the past. That's the sound of the Concorde, the plane that was famous for traveling faster than the speed of sound. It was retired 20 years ago, and now United Airlines wants to revive the business of civilian supersonic flights. It's ordered 15 aircraft from a startup called Boom Supersonic. Now, these jets could make the flight between London and New York in a mere three and a half hours, almost half the time it takes now. The goal is for the aircraft to start taking passengers as early as 2029. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Fiona Simon and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Jess Smith. We had help this week from Howard Shannon, Gavin Coleman, and Michael Bruning. Our theme song is by Metaphor Music. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.